Welcome to The Weekly Transit, a podcast exploring the intersection of Western astrology and Jungian psychology. Astrology is a language that communicates how the planets and stars influence life on Earth, while psychology helps us navigate both conscious and unconscious experiences. Together, these tools offer the potential for self-understanding, growth, and transformation. Join astrologer Scott Tajarian and me, psychotherapist Gabriella Durso, as we dive into the cosmic forecast each week. Welcome to the Weekly Transit. We are discussing the week of November 27th to December 3rd. The theme this week is responsible communication. And the reason why we touched upon the theme as responsible communication is because two of the main transits that we're highlighting this week are the full moon in Gemini, which starts the week off. It actually kind of trickles into last week, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And then also Mercury transiting into Capricorn. Great. Yes. Before we get into that, we wanted to talk about, we wanted to answer a question that came in. Yes. So we've been receiving some feedback and questions about of course, the changes to the podcast over the last couple of weeks. And, and we're very grateful to yeah. hear from everyone that we're hearing from. Very uh, grateful. And thank you for bearing with us for all of our, you know, just the growing pains of being together in this way, in this, you know, we have a personal relationship and now we're transitioning into a professional relationship. So we're learning how to do that. And yes. Of course, all of the video, audio, you know, issues totally. <laughs> that come along no, with I that. Mean, we've got two microphones now, so we do uh, figuring out how to do all the technical stuff so that it sounds more pleasing to your ears. I mean, I'm a big sound person, not like I just I like nice sound. So like mm-hmm. when the sound doesn't sound good, I am like super anxious and freaked out by it so uh but i feel like each week we're finding new challenges but also solutions to old challenges and that Mm -hmm. is a part of the growth uh some of the challenges are just like learning how to be comfortable talking to each other which seems weird because we talk to each other all the time (laughs) but uh, you know, now talking with an audience is a totally different vibe than just Gabrielle and I talking to each other about whatever. It is. So yes. all this to say, thank you for ad- adapting and adjusting with us. Totally. Yes. And thank you. so bringing us to the, to the question that's related to this, um, one of the listeners was curious about, why the dates of the week are no longer in the title. Mm -hmm. And I guess the reason we did that is we wanted each of these episodes to really have sort of a larger, maybe a larger reach than just pertaining to the particular week Mm -hmm. that the transits are occurring. So the, the information is specific to that week, but also we feel like what we're talking about also has a broader reach. So part of the decision to remove it from the title was the idea not to limit ourselves or limit a listener who might be curious about that information. 
Yes. But we're wondering, as we really want to gear this information towards all of you, towards our community, maybe you can let us know in the comments on Spotify and YouTube. Or um, anywhere. Or anywhere. <laughs> any of the, the, the ways that you can contact us. Some people message through Instagram. Some people email. Sure. All of it's fine. You all know, of it's I, fine. I read it all. Uh, but let us know yeah, what, totally. what your thoughts are. The other idea was to maybe put it in the description so you still have access to the dates, but it's not my feeling was that, My feeling title. was that it's already like you know the date that it has to do with because of the date that the podcast is released. But, you know, putting the date of the week in the title, number one, felt feels kind of redundant to me because the date that the podcast is being released, it's that week. Uh, second right. of all, I also feel like it's it's kind of like a carton of milk that uh, you've left in your refrigerator, and when you see that it's gone past the date, it's no longer any good. And and I my hope, and and I imagine that as we continue with this podcast and get more comfortable speaking with each other and everything that we're sharing, I imagine that what we're sharing is going to be valuable beyond the transits and the dates of the transits that we're talking about. That's our hope. Yes, exactly. That's the hope. That's mm -hmm. the goal. Uh, so um, I know it's, it's like the audience, some people in the audience are sort of relearning how to listen to this podcast because it's been a certain way uh, for three and a half years and uh, now it's different and so we're not going through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday because these transits don't end on a day and I sort of started it out that way even before um, the first iteration of the podcast when I was doing the weekly transit just as an email, that's how I broke it down, was day by day. Uh, it, it, it just made it easier for me to share it in that way, but I feel like as I have grown and as the audience has grown in their knowledge of astrology, I feel like it's more important to discuss the dates of the transits more so than the transits for the dates. Mm. Right. So we're opening up. We're always open to feedback, but specifically around this particular topic. If you have a strong opinion, um, let us know and we'll do our best to accommodate um, what, what your preferences are while also trying to honor the direction that we're trying to move the podcast into. The week begins with the, the full moon in Gemini. And mm -hmm. of course, Gemini is the mutable air sign symbolized by the twins and ruled by Mercury. Mercury's the messenger of the gods. Guide of souls to the underworld, the planet of consciousness, communication, and coordination. So communication is a major theme. Mm -hmm. And 
a great question. Um, Scott's written up some questions for to help us navigate this full moon, and one of them is, um, what curiosities would you like to release? I think it's an interesting idea to maybe think about freeing your mind, clearing your mind of questions. And I think this full moon could be, it could be either the release might mean asking the questions that you've been holding on to, or it could also mean realizing you know the answers and so you don't need to ask the mm, question. Yes. Or you're no longer, like you're ready to let go of the question. Mm-hmm. So I think there's sort of different ways of relating to the this idea of letting go. Totally. Well, there's two sides to every coin, right? Yeah. So, uh, and the full moon is a release. So during the full moon, you want to release something. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the release, you know, part of it is reflecting on the 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 first part of the release which is the inhale the full moon is the exhale mm. the new moon is the inhale so where was the new moon the new moon was in scorpio on november 13th and so that inhale was about setting your intentions planting the seeds of the coming harvest the full moon is showing and sharing the harvest so we're planting the seeds of who are the types of individuals that you want to exchange energy with? Hmm. Who do you want to merge power with? Who do you want to be intimate with? And so in order to know if this person or that person or any individual in your life is in alignment with what it is you say, the qualities that you intend to merge with, because what we posed two weeks ago on the podcast was who are, what types of individuals you want to merge power with? Not like, Mm -hmm. I want to merge power with Gabriella. Well, I want to merge power with somebody who is kind and caring and nurturing and intelligent all qualities that Gabriella exudes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, those are just some of the qualities that I'm looking for in an intimate partnership. Mm-hmm. And in putting that out, then looking at the people in my life and saying, do those individuals reflect the qualities that I want to invite? into my energetic field. Mm-hmm. And so that's where this Gemini energy comes in because Gemini is about asking questions, gathering information, listening, learning. Mm-hmm. So in order, and the funny thing is, is last week leading up to this full moon, which happens technically it's happening on Monday morning, the 27th. It's like 1.17 a.m. Monday morning Pacific time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're really going to be f- starting to feel this on Sunday night, the 26th. Mm-hmm. But on Friday, Saturday is when the moon is transiting through Taurus. Mm. So 
So Friday the 24th, Saturday the 25th, and even into part of Sunday, the 26th, the moon is transiting through Taurus. So as the moon is transiting through Taurus, it's bringing that emotional sensitivity to our self-worth and our values. That is the energy that's opposite the Scorpio energy, which is where the new moon occurred, which is about merging those value, values and those energies and the type of people that you want to be involved with on an intimate level. So now that the full moon comes into Gemini, it's bringing that emotional sensitivity to what are the questions that you need to ask? Hmm. Like, I think that Gabriella is somebody that I might like to exchange energy with, that I would like to uh, be intimate with. But before I can know that that is true or appropriate, I need to ask her certain questions and mm. then use my level of discernment to see if we are emanating the same frequency, if we are emanating, if she is emanating the frequency that I'm looking to share energy with. Mm. So in some ways, the new moon in Scorpio has already helped you sort of filter down who it is that you're ready to take to the questions stage. It's helping you formulate the questions. But it's helping you formulate the questions, and it's also helping you narrow who you have questions for through this process you described of, yes, you might want to deepen with certain individuals, but also just sort of this larger sort of manifestation process of the type of person that you'd like to connect with. The type of person that you'd like to really exactly. exchange ideas with. Yes, exactly. So you brought up an interesting point earlier, which I want to expand upon. Mm, which, which one? Which is you know, very Sagittarius. And it's important to, to remember that the moon is full in Gemini because the sun is in Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is the sign that is opposite Gemini. Mm. These are the two signs that represent learning, travel, communication. Sagittarius is long journeys. <laughs> Gemini is quick trips, weekend getaways. Gemini is asking questions. Sagittarius is giving the answer. Gemini is the cliff notes. The bullet mm. points, whereas Sagittarius is the the deep philosophy where I've read all the books. Mm. So the point that you brought up was that maybe there are some questions that you've been thinking about asking, but you realize that you can actually let those questions go. Mm. You don't need to ask those questions. And I'm just wondering if you can share maybe a example of, of when that might be. Sure. For those of you who are just getting to know me before diving into uh, to my work as a therapist, I worked with clients uh, in a Reiki practice. One of the topics that would 
that would come up a lot is actually this this exact question around who is it that has the answer that to the question that I'm seeking? Is it me or is it outside of me? And often this would manifest some sort of stuck energy in in the head in particular, mm. particularly the third eye versus the crown chakra. So the third eye is in the middle of your forehead. The crown chakra is the top of your head. And there was um, often this balancing that needed to happen between those two chakras. So what I noticed is the clients who had a blockage in their third eye chakra, they were the ones who had trouble accessing the answers within themselves. And they might be relying too much on outside influences for questions versus the other way around, the clients who had their crown chakra more blocked, they were the ones who might have a tendency to think that they had all the answers and that they didn't need any insight from outside of them. Hmm. So usually when there's one when one of those chakras was out of balance, the other one might be too, kind of like a seesaw, mm-hmm. if you think of that visual. So the crown chakra, and what was the other one? The crown chakra, which is the top of your head, yes. that's where you're receptive to information outside of you. And if yes. you, you, can, you can look literally at the shape of your, like where the chakra is, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a receptive chakra from outside of your body, and that's why it's on the top of your head. So you're literally exposed to all of the information in the universe coming in. That feels the crown like chakra. Sagittarius energy to me. That's more, yeah, I think that's more Sagittarius. And what was the other one? The other one is your third eye okay. chakra, which is in the middle of your forehead. Mm-hmm. And that's more about your relationship with yourself. Hmm. So that's the questions, the energy. thoughts that your questions and thoughts that you have for yourself. So people that had their third eye blocked, they were the ones that were having trouble asking questions. They were the ones who needed support in recognizing that they had the answers to they some of the had questions the answers within themselves. Yes. Whereas the people that were blocking the crown, that had the crown chakra blocked, they were the ones that thought they had all the answers. The, when the crown chakra was blocked, there was a difficulty in receiving answers from others or from the universe from outside of you. And oftentimes this would, this would show up as confusion around like an issue of discernment around who is it that have, that has the answer. Like I have so many questions about my life, about what I'm here to do. And I just don't know who to ask. So the first step before you can really get the information that you need is is to be asking the right source, right? If you're asking for information outside of you that is that is really something that only you can answer, then then you're, you'll ultimately end up more confused. So this is kind of the interesting p- 
paradox or the strain of this full moon mm-hmm. because Sagittarius is that energy that says, I have the answer. Mm-hmm. And the answer comes from God, the universe, or whatever that's channeling through me. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, this is why Sagittarius is the sign that rules religion and spirituality. People that are very religious, people that are deeply spiritual, they don't necessarily have to be logical in their understanding of why they believe what they believe because what they believe comes through faith, mm-hmm. which is Sagittarius, where Gemini is more factual. It's more logical. It's like, well, okay, so did Jesus Christ really exist? What's the proof that Jesus Christ really existed? That's the Gemini energy that wants the proof. And it's not necessarily like an attacking sort of way. It's like, tell me, you know, like, how do you know Jesus was real? Mm -hmm. How do you know that Allah is real or... Uh, you know, the Bible and the things that are written there, whether it's, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament, whatever it is, like, who wrote the book? Mm-hmm. It came from God? What does that mean? So God wrote, like, came in human form and wrote it? Or God was channeling through the different people that wrote the Bible? Like, what are the answers? How come some books are in the Bible and some books that were originally in the Bible are no longer in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Why are there like lost gospels? That's more of the Gemini energy is wanting to just kind of figure it out where the Sagittarius energy is like, look, I know the personal relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and I don't care who wrote what book I know that when Mm -hmm. I read the book and I apply it to my life, that something changes, is changed within me. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's kind of what you're, you're saying where we can release the question. Like maybe you're thinking of exchanging energy or being intimate with somebody. And you're like, well, I really need to know how they feel about X, Y, and Z, but maybe you're just out and about with them and experiencing life with them and and they show you without you asking them, well, what would you do in this situation? Or if this, that, or the next thing, then what's your answer? Mm -hmm. Maybe you just see it in them and you don't need to bring it up. Yeah, I love that example. Yeah, so both, would you say that both Sagittarius and Gemini are both about, they're both about knowledge, but where that knowledge comes from, I th- yeah, is it I think, has a different source. I think Sagittarius, the knowledge comes from a higher power, and it comes from the experience of life. This is why travel is also a theme of Sagittarius. It's like, you know, you, you go to a foreign country, and you live in a foreign country that is completely different from what you've experienced in your life. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the world from a different perspective. 
And now you have a different understanding and you're like, I can't explain it to you why I feel the way that I do. It's just through my experiences. I had a vision. I was sitting at the stream, at the foot of the stream in the mountains after I had hiked, you know, 20 miles that day and my legs felt like jello and, and a fish swam right by me and, and it's like it spoke to me or something, you know, mm -hmm. and like my life made sense. All of a sudden my life made sense or a bird just landed like three feet away from me or like on my shoulder and, and now everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's the Sagittarius energy. The Gemini energy is like, but why? Why did it make sense? Like how, mm -hmm. what, what made sense about that? Like right. couldn't it just be that a random bird just... And I'm not saying that it wasn't something special, but like the bird landed on your shoulder. Okay, that's amazing. But do you think that means something other than like the bird just needed a place to land and you were sitting still and you you stunk like the like the forest because you've been living there for a day and and it couldn't tell the difference between you and a rock or a tree or whatever and it just landed on you. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> Well, I love what you're highlighting because there's really no, it's not that one way of experiencing knowledge is superior to the other, but uh -huh. it's just that they're, they have a time and a place and there is a level of discernment that is necessary when you're wanting new knowledge mm -hmm. around where is that going to come from? Yes. One of my favorite things about Carl Jung's work and writings that I got to learn about at Pacifica is that he talks about this knowing. Mm. And I don't, don't know many others who have, who have really been thought leaders and I'm sure that there have been others, but I remember that really um, sticking out to me because I have that experience often of knowing where I don't, need to know why I don't need to go to that sort of a Gemini place um, mm -hmm. with these certain ways of knowing that that I carry deep within me and so for for him and some of you might know this or might not be familiar but Jung was very connected to astrology oh yeah and there's a whole book about it, if you're interested, written by this incredible Jungian analyst and astrologer named Liz Green. And it's a whole Legend. book. She's incredible. <laughs> I include a lot of her insight in my thesis, and she's she's brilliant. Um, but she wrote a whole book called Jung's Understanding of Astrology, I think mm. is the title. Mm. And he had such a strong knowing about the importance of astrology as a modality its connection to psychology, like it was in his blood. He just knew that that was for him incredibly resonant. And he was living at a time where so many others had more of that, I guess more of that Gemini of, well, can you prove it to us? Can you, you know, they needed more. They needed to understand it in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. And to those who know him, knew him closely, he you know, it was incredibly ingrained in his way of life and in his way of working with clients. But unfortunately, because of the way he was questioned and he didn't know how to answer it from that 
more kind of factual perspective, he withdrew some of his um, comfortability really talking about it in the public sphere. And, you know, he was discouraged by some other prominent folks who were doing work in that field at the time. Like who? Um, like Freud mm-hmm. in particular. And there were many reasons why why they parted ways. Um, did Freud not believe or did did Freud think that astrology wasn't real or did he just recognize that if people are going to take you seriously in the world of psychology, then you can't be talking about astrology? Well, it's interesting. So both Freud and Jung had supernatural experiences and especially in Jung's family, that was really commonplace. He grew up intending seances in his home. Jung did. Jung did. Yeah. And having supernatural, paranormal experiences, mm-hmm. you know, in his family life uh, was common for him. Mm-hmm. And he started to bring these experiences to Freud. And at the time, they were working closely together. And Freud was almost like a father figure to Jung. Mm-hmm. So when they eventually split off and went their separate ways, there was there was some wounding that occurred there. And there are, there are several um, series of letters. That's how we know this information um, about their relationship. But letters between them where Freud acknowledges having his own supernatural experiences and at the time astrology was really considered an occult practice so it was really sort of pushed into this realm of the supernatural and we know now we have much more information about astrology and astronomy and an understanding of why this information is as accurate as it is than they really did at that time well i think it was liz green who explained it in a way that really made sense to me. So she says that astronomy is the study that observes and measures planets and stars. Mm -hmm. Astrology is the study that gives those, gives those movements meaning. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're talking about a practice that is bringing meaning, there is going to be more subjectivity than the actual measurement or the fact because they're coming from, that knowledge is coming from a different place. One is more objective, one is more subjective. Mm-hmm. That's why we have different studies of astrology, because human beings have different ideas about what sort of meaning we want to assign to different experiences. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense. But my, I think why I brought this in originally was just to speak to you know, the, the history of astrology and its relationship with psychology started, Jung was really the one who put it on the map, and he was able to do that because of this knowing, because of this knowing that he had. Mm-hmm. And he never was quite able to do it publicly, unfortunately. I just think that it's, it's amazing that somebody who's so prominent in the field of psychology is so deeply rooted in astrology. It is. It's incredible. So. To bring this back to this full moon and Gemini energy, because um, we've taken a really interesting little tangent there. Thanks for <laughs> bearing with us. Um, but it's interesting background for really why this podcast exists. 
why I'm doing the work that I'm doing in the world. Um, but to bring it back to the full moon and Gemini, I guess what we're really trying to highlight here are the different ways that questions and just curiosity and how that communication is showing up for you might be coming up right now. Mm-hmm. So whether it's these internal questions, whether it's external questions, whether it's clarity around what questions you have and who those questions might be for, or whether it's the understanding that you actually don't have the questions anymore because you've learned the answers through an experience of channeling, through a dream, through, you know, some other, some other outlet. So there's a variety of ways that this might be coming up. Mars is still conjunct the sun. Uh, The sun's going to finally move beyond two degrees of Mars after the full moon. But this is sort of the culmination of that conjunction that began with the sun and Mars in Scorpio back on November 10th. Mm. So how is this Mars energy supporting the full moon in Gemini? Can you break that down a little more? It's activating it. Hmm. It's poking it. It's pushing it. It's it's pushing the energy of Sagittarius, and then it's pushing the tension of Gemini, uh, the Gemini energy of asking questions. Maybe you're asking the questions too aggressively or something, or maybe you're hmm. speaking too aggressively and... The other side isn't able to ask the question because Mars is in Sagittarius. And Sagittarius is the sign that has the answer, where Gemini is the sign that is the question. Hmm. So the questions could be more charged, it sounds like. Maybe. With this energy and... Or maybe the... Maybe the... The know-it-all of Sagittarius is sort of bullying the Gemini to keep their mouth shut. So it's... I have nothing to say because this person clearly is just giving me all the information, so I have nothing to ask. Hmm. So it's bringing some tension. Yeah, But it's also... I'm also hearing... I'm also hearing from you that the tension is helping to provide some necessary movement and some some heat, some fire. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that Sagittarius energy, would you say it's helping the question, the questioning process be more truthful? Is that part of its value? It's acting from a place of truth taking action from a place that feels ethical, that feels righteous. Mm -hmm. I see this as last year and this year. Last year was, was encouraging us to ask the question. This year is encouraging us to channel the answer. Hmm. But it's, there's some sort of movement that needs to take place with the conversation. One thing I've been encouraging all of my clients this week is to take some time during this full moon 
to have a conversation with the people that you're close to, with Mm -hmm. the people that you're emotionally connected to. What do you want to talk to talk to them about? Are there issues in your relationships and your friendships, whatever it may be that that maybe need to be addressed? Hmm. Things can't stay hidden anymore. The planets have moved out of Scorpio. That's the sign of hiding things. That's the sign of secrets. Sagittarius is we're burning down the house. Mm-hmm. We're starting from scratch. We're clearing the slate. Because when the planets move into Capricorn, that's when we rebuild. Capricorn is about building. Sagittarius is about wiping the slate clean. Like we're free. We're naked. And then Capricorn is you put on the clothes and you start over. Hmm. It's a cardinal sign. Sagittarius is a mutable sign. Mutable is the end. Cardinals the beginning. You know, when the planets move into Capricorn in the northern hemisphere, when the sun moves into Capricorn, it's the shortest day of the year. So in a sense, the year is coming to a close. Like there's a lot of different years. I think of the year as like, of course, January 1st, but also the beginning of the astrological new year. But then there's the the solstices. And that indicates an ending a beginning the 21st of december is the shortest day of the year so every day after that gets lighter Hmm, so that's a beginning yes as well exactly so this sagittarius energy is closing out the season it's closing out the season of fall we're stripping everything down so you're really encouraging people if i'm hearing this correctly to have the hard conversations and to be blunt, to be bold, to be fiery, to bring bring things up that might create tension. Like this isn't the time to play safe. This no. is the time to just put all your cards on the table. To go big. Go big or go home. That's, that's the energy of Sagittarius. Go big or go home. Mm-hmm. It's not about thinking small. It's about thinking big. It's about doing the ridiculous. So in a way, it's not really about, you're not, shouldn't be worried about the the consequences right now. Is that fair to say? I mean, Sagittarius is about ethics. So as long as you feel like you're doing what is right, then... But we're talking about burning down the house, you know, metaphorically. So how do you, I guess what's coming up for me is, how do you engage with that fiery, burn down the house energy? Like, I don't a, need this anymore. In an ethical I'm way. I'm down the house because I don't need it anymore. It's a burden to me. So there's thought that goes into it. Of You're not course. acting. It's not that impulsive energy of Aries. No. It's like the fire is coming from a different place. Is the is the is the other extreme of the fire energy from Aries. So the fire is coming from a different place. The energy behind the fire is coming from a different place. It is. When I think of the fire signs, Aries is the spark that lights the fire. When, when a spark happens, it's like, oh, wow. It's shocking. Mm. Like when you turn on the fireplace, the gas, and boom, it like 
you know, like you it feel startles like it's you. Singe your eyebrows off. Right. Leo builds the fire, makes it strong. Sagittarius is when the fire leaves the campsite and burns down the forest. Hmm. So I don't know if there's some, if that's a good example for some thought behind it. But if you think of how the native people of this country where we live in North America treated the forest, they would burn the forest intentionally. Mm, because, you know, it's like I have people that live in the mountains and the reason why these forest fires happen is because of the backup of brush, mm -hmm. dead leaves and needles and all that sort of stuff that just accumulate. And if you're not clearing it out every year, then eventually when a spark does happen, it's going to create a fire that's too big to contain. Mm. But the native people would burn the forest intentionally annually to clear the brush so that, right. the, so that the seedlings would be there to touch the ground and would be able to grow. Mm -hmm. So the translation of that, that's a great example, is the fire's coming anyway. <laughs> so how can you bring that fiery energy in an ethical way and manage the fire yourself so mm -hmm. that it doesn't take control of you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So now's the time to have those hard conversations. Yes. And ask those questions. And ask those questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know this thing's been bothering you. I've been sensing this issue. What's going on here? Yeah. And do we have other transits from last week that might there might be a ripple effect? Well, aside here? from Mars, there's also Mercury, the planet of communication, is also transiting through Sagittarius. And, of course, it's going to move into Capricorn later this week. But on Sunday the 26th and Monday the 27th, Mercury in Sagittarius, speaking your truth, freeing mm -hmm. your mind, is aligning with two key points neptune the god of fresh water in the sea the planet of illusion deception compassion intuition mm -hmm. in the mutable water sign symbolized by the fish and ruled by neptune and jupiter which is also the planetary ruler of sagittarius so there's this interesting sort of conflicting siblings relationship between pisces which is mutable water and sagittarius which is mutable fire but Pisces and Neptune represent the unconscious. Mercury is the conscious in the sign of freedom, Sagittarius. So these two planets are squaring each other. So there may be some mental confusion. Or maybe there's a conversation that you need to have with yourself. Mm. You need to be honest with yourself. Then there is the second piece or the third piece to this equation, which is the North Node in Aries. And the North Node is the cosmic pathway of the soul or soul's purpose. It's transiting through Aries, the cardinal fire sign. 
symbolized by the ram, ruled by Mars. So again, more of that Mars energy, more of that action, initiating, courageous sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have the courage to have a real conversation with yourself? And maybe through having that real conversation with yourself, you're able to come to the determination of what you need to ask or not ask the different people that are around you. Yeah. Well, I love that you highlighted that you might have questions for yourself or a conversation that needs to have with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That feels really potent and important to, to highlight. And then this piece about courage, I think it takes a lot of courage to ask questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, this came up for, this came up in my cohort in grad school. We had one of our classmates, she was always sort of like, she would ask the questions that everyone else had. <laughs> yeah. But she was the one who, you know, we had a couple of people in my group who sort of played that role where they had the courage to be the question askers. Mm. But really it was sort of like, you know, you could sort of feel in the room like if the information wasn't really landing or, you know, there was like that elephant in the room sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of them, you know, were the ones who were able to have the courage to do that. And then at one point I remember one of them sharing, it was this really beautiful moment in, we had these classes called process classes where Mm -hmm. you get to talk about your, you know, your experience as a therapist and your experience in the program. And, you know, there was a lot of intimacy that was invited into those conversations. And one of these women who was, really front and forward with the questions she expressed really some some vulnerability and some almost some shame in Mm. having all of these questions Mm. and you know this sort of darkness for her around the question asking process and I remember another classmate like she spoke up immediately and she said no, it takes so much courage mm. to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And that was such a, I mean, of all of the beautiful experiences I had in that program. And I would love to, you know, think more about their individual astrology and like what that was bringing up for them. But I will always remember that moment because I wasn't always the one that asked questions out loud Mm -hmm. you know in my mind I'm running over questions Mm -hmm. but I really appreciated that call to courage and that invitation that reminder that we need courage to ask questions yes because what you're saying essentially when you're asking a question is that you don't know the answer Mm -hmm. you know when you're asking it really with the right huh. intention. I think of it differently, but that, you do? It's a, I mean, that's an interesting, Tell me. I mean, that's one way to look at it, but I think when you're asking a question, you're just, you, yes, you're saying, I don't know the answer, obviously. And that makes sense. And I see how some people might be timid to ask a question because they don't know the answer. But I mean, I think it's to ask a question is just to say that I want to learn. Oh, absolutely. And if you have a question and you don't ask it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, I think what you're picking up on is the intention behind the question. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when you're asking for it from a place of 
wanting to learn mm -hmm. and really openness, mm -hmm. then it's received differently than if you're asking it from maybe a more kind of narcissistic place. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think for me in my, when I had those moments of reserving my questions, I think it might've been, and I, I did get them eventually answered, but sometimes I got them answered through a different source than the teacher. I had an experience with some of my teachers where, you know, they were all my teachers. Mm -hmm. They were in that position of authority for me, but I knew that they weren't all really like my teachers mm -hmm. on a deeper, deeper level. So sometimes I think when we're not, maybe we're just not ready to ask the question or we might know that that source doesn't really have the answer in the way that we need the answer. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we have to honor our own timing for when we ask questions mm -hmm. because it can be, you know, it can be damaging, I think, to get the, maybe the wrong answer for you. Mm -hmm. Like I just think about like how often, you know, we give our power away to, you know, you go and have these psychic and or intuitive readings and sometimes you get the answer that really speaks to your soul and you feel fulfilled and it's, you know, it's a beautiful energy exchange. Mm -hmm. And other times we get answers that, you know, it gets sort of stuck in you. Mm -hmm. Like I asked this question that really gave away my power and I've done this before and I've had to live with the answers that have not really been truly my answers mm -hmm. they haven't really they haven't really resonated but because i gave someone else the power of asking them the question you know the weight of that response is still with me one i think that is part of what these aspects are about the early part of the week mm -hmm. is asking the question getting the answer but then you using the discernment of does this answer speak to me? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if you have a psychic reading or you come to an astrologer or whoever and, and they give you an answer for something, if it doesn't resonate with you, then it doesn't resonate with you. And you have to, you can't take everyone's word or anyone's word as like the end all be all. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about the Gemini energy is it's like, let's just gather all the information and let's just see what, let's make sense of it. Mm -hmm. But then you've got the Sagittarius energy, which is connecting you to the higher power. Does this feel right? Mm -hmm. But then you also have the Pisces energy, which is like, am I being compassionate with myself in knowing what it is I think I know? Hmm. Am I being forgiving to myself? Maybe I'm doubting myself in some way. And then the Aries energy is like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Get clear. Yeah. How can you get clear about who you are? If you know who you are and you can be compassionate with yourself and you recognize that you are a child of God, of the universe, of whatever higher power you believe in, and you are connected to something beyond what you can pick up with the five physical senses. Mm. And just process the information in, filter it through. Mm -hmm. So the next major transit of the week begins right around on Tuesday, November 28th, and lasts until December 1st. And that also includes the North Node, the North Node in Aries. But the other planet that's involved with the North Node 
from November 28th to December 1st is Venus. Hmm. Lady Luck, the goddess of love and beauty, the planet of relationships, transiting through the cardinal air sign symbolized by the scales and ruled by Venus. So Venus is in a position of power because it's in the sign that it rules. So it's it's like Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, we're getting clear within ourselves so that by the time we get to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we can start having those real conversations. So this Venus energy is supporting <laughs> us in... In having the conversations, like, you know, everything is building to this point where it's like, okay, I'm starting to figure out my own thought process. I'm starting mm. to figure out my own thought process. I'm starting to understand where these thoughts come from. Do they come from myself? Do they come from a higher power? Do they come from the person I had a conversation with down the street earlier in the day? Where do these thoughts come from? We begin to take ownership of them throughout the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is when Venus is opposing the North Node in Aries. So now we're bouncing the energy off of our partner. Hmm. Is what I'm saying something that resonates with you? So you're kind of looking for that reflection in the other. You're looking for that reflection. You want to share your ideas, but then you also want to ask them about what they think about the same topics or whatever it is you're talking about. This kind of reminds me of what you're talking about is called mirroring in the psychology world. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting in therapy, we're often kind of recreating mirroring experiences for our clients who might not be getting mirrored properly in mm -hmm. their other relationships. Mm -hmm. But mirroring is, it's a developmental process that we need, mm -hmm. you know, starting from infancy. Mm -hmm. Mirroring is that experience when the baby smiles and the parent smiles mm -hmm. or the baby cries and then the parent looks upset. Mm -hmm. It's, and we need those experiences, you know, fundamentally as babies, but we also need them, you know, throughout our development. And totally. then even as adults, because what you're learning in that process is that I have an impact on my environment. The way that I'm feeling has a ripple effect and changes the people around me. Yes. So that sounds yes. like what you're describing is there's yes. this going to be this opportunity coming in to really mirror your not just your intimate partners, but your friends, right? It's exactly. larger than just intimate well, relationships. And, and think about it. Aries mirrors Libra. Hmm. They're opposite each other. So the full moon in Gemini asking questions, gathering information, expressing yourself honestly, openly, thinking about what's going on in your unconscious, getting clear with yourself. And then the Venus piece comes in, in the sign that it rules, Libra, bringing in relationships. You start having conversations with people in your life, whether it's a lover, a friend, a business partner, and hopefully you have a clear sense of how you are being received. Mm -hmm. It's like there was a time where there were no mirrors. 
Mm. Isn't that interesting to think about? Or I guess the only way you knew what you even looked like was if you saw your reflection in the water or something. Yeah, or someone maybe described it to you. I don't know. I'm saying, but you being able to see yourself. To see yourself. I mean, I guess someone could paint a portrait of you, but like you like staring at yourself in a lake. Like, oh my God, that's what I look like. Uh Uh-huh. But other than that, you don't have any sense of self. Now people are like, I'm literally looking at my picture here on my computer screen as we're talking you know so i'm seeing myself have the conversation but we live in this world now where people are so aware of how they look and how they are perceived i think part of what you're describing though like before you give people feedback about themselves that mirroring part is important because you're acknowledging how it is they're feeling first. And that's a great Libra quality. Well, and I think that's important, you know, with any kind of communication, is you want to acknowledge and reflect what you've heard before you reply, because that's going to help the other person... Know that you're listening. Know that you're listening, but they're also going to then realize that they need to listen to you before they reply. Mm-hmm. If you have two people in a conversation and both are just waiting for their turn to speak, then you're actually not listening. That's right. You're listening to yourself in that moment because you're thinking about what, what you want to say, say. Yes. but you're not actually listening to the <laughs> other person. So with that process of mirroring what you're doing, which essentially mirroring is about empathy it's saying I am I am so attuned to you that I am going to smile because you smiled and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you necessarily agree mm-hmm. with the emotional experience of the other person but before you disagree you acknowledge first what it is you're experiencing from the other person and then you can have an opportunity to share your piece. On December 1st is when Mercury moves into Capricorn. And Capricorn is the cardinal earth sign that is symbolized by the goat. Hmm. That creature that starts in the valley but then climbs to the top of the mountain. Why does somebody climb to the top of the mountain? To say that they've been there. They've done the work to ascend. Mm-hmm. So now it's about speaking from that place of authority. But in order to speak from that place of authority, you have to have done the work. You have to hold yourself accountable for having done the work. Hmm. So what does this mean for us on a practical level with our communication? Well, this is the theme of hmm. responsible communication. If you're just spouting words and don't recognize or understand the implications of what you're saying, the power of what you're saying. Your words carry power. Hmm. So it's also about, would you say, approaching communication from an adult perspective? Yes, exactly. Be the adult. Mm -hmm. So recognizing the impact, what you say matters. Yes. 
an adult is not something that you can be when you're a child because you don't have the experience of life. Mm, you haven't climbed the mountain yet. No. When Mercury transits through Capricorn, the practical opportunity is taking what you've learned, taking that channel energy from Sagittarius and say, this is my belief, then put it into reality. Put mm -hmm. it into that, put your belief into a practical sense. Mm -hmm. Like if you have faith in religion, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then what, what is the experience that you have that can show you or can show other people your faith? Because it's one thing to say, I have faith and that's it. Okay, great. Well, but that's, mm -hmm. I'm not getting anything out of that. I'm glad you have faith. I'm glad you have this belief, this great belief in a higher power. So, But it, I don't. So if you want to, well, you had a question. So is the Capricorn energy helping you bring your faith, your ideas into something concrete? Yes. Like into the earthly realm? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's a time to, the sort of second half of the week or the tail end of this week is about sort of grounding in that knowing and those beliefs and bringing them to a more practical place. What are you doing about your beliefs? Mm -hmm. How are you backing up your beliefs through your work? Well, and how are they contained too? How are they experienced in the material realm? Yes. How are they experienced in the material realm? You mean like in relation to others? I'm just thinking about the elements themselves. Fire into earth. There's a containment with earth. Mm -hmm. It's more predictable than fire. Mm -hmm. It's more reliable. It's more grounded. It's, it has a different frequency. <clears throat> so you're almost sort of translating these mental aspects into a different area. Mm -hmm. Like... There's that phrase, you will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Mm. So you can talk about all the faith and belief that you have in one thing or the other, but the practicality is, show me. Mm -hmm. Show me your faith. Show me through the work that you've done. Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking, tell me if this expression relates to, but the expression, actions speak louder than words. Does that apply here? When I think of action, I think of... Mars. When I think of words, I think of Mercury. Hmm. So Mercury is the planet that's transiting through Capricorn. Though Capricorn, though it's ruled by Saturn, Mars is exalted in Capricorn. So Mars has a strong frequency to Capricorn. So even though Mars is not in Capricorn, Mars is in Sagittarius, and Mercury, the planet of words, is in Capricorn. It is mm. somewhat like putting your words into, like you gotta back up your talk. You gotta back up your words. Hmm. Politicians are associated with Capricorn, or anyone in authority, your boss, it's Capricorn energy, that adult energy, your parents is Capricorn. Teachers. Teachers, but, you lose respect for the authority when the authority doesn't back up what they say. Well, when they don't follow their own rules. They don't follow their own rules. That's part of yeah. it, sure. Say one thing, do another. Yes. 
they might be restricting other people, but they're not restricting themselves. Mm-hmm. You have to follow these rules, but I don't. Right. Now we don't have respect for the authority. Right. But this is about respect for yourself, you know, for each individual to make sure that you're walking the talk. Mm-hmm. You're being consistent. You're following through. Yes. And so Mercury is transiting through Capricorn from December 1st to the 23rd, but it's only going to transit to eight degrees and then it retrogrades back into Sagittarius. So look at your astrological code. What key points or planets do you have between one and eight degrees in water signs, earth signs, or cardinal signs? Because these are the signs that are making the strongest aspect to Mercury during its initial transit into Capricorn, which is only to eight degrees. So if you were born with the sun at four degrees in Aries, then that means that Mercury is going to square your sun during this transit. It's going to square it twice, and then it's going to come back and square it a third time when Mercury moves back into Capricorn the end of the year into next year. Hmm. And so just using that as an example, when Mercury squares your sun, it makes it challenging to communicate it can feel like your own personal Mercury retrograde, where like your coordination and your being able to connect your mind to your mouth and share what you're trying to say uh, could feel like it's on the fritz. What do you recommend if that's coming Slow up down. for people? Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Mercury is squaring any planet in your chart, slow down. Take your time. And this is a time for everyone to slow down anyway because Mercury is going to be retrograde during this period. Mm. Mercury is going to be retrograde in Capricorn. So there might be some things that you say as an authority that then you want to walk back because you're like, oh God, that didn't sound right or Mm. I misspoke there or I shouldn't have said that or I acted like I was an authority in that and I really had something more to learn there. Uh, So... It could be challenging to speak as an authority, and we really want to be measured in our approach of communication. Well, that's an interesting point you just touched on, is this idea that being an authority is sometimes subjective. Mm -hmm. You can think you're an authority on a particular topic and then recognize that you have so much more to to learn learn. Mm -hmm. versus there are more objective kinds of authorities like members of the government or your parents i mean that's more of a black and white are they objective though well they're in (laughs) they're in positions of authority whether or not you think they've earned that right is kind of a different conversation Mm -hmm. but what i'm talking about is this more subjective piece where we might have an experience of placing ourselves in a position of authority And then to your point, you know, we have like a personal like retrograde of like our own relationship with our own authority Mm -hmm. where we need to kind of pull back. Yes. So I think that's just an interesting juxtaposition when you talk about what it means to be an authority. You know, one part of it is you recognizing yourself as that. And another part is the perception from other people. Yes. You need some sort of an audience to be con- to actually 
utilize your authority. Yeah. No Otherwise, you're speaking into the void mm-hmm. when you're on your own. Yeah. Okay, so the len- the last transit we'll highlight today is that Mercury in Capricorn is creating a sextile to Saturn in Pisces Yes. at one degree. Yes. And this happens between December 1st and the 4th. Yes. And again, this is a transit that's going to come back three times. Two. This is the first of three times. We're highlighting it the first time here. Okay. But there's two other times where this transit is going to occur because of the retrograde. Mm, okay. So Mercury's moving forward right now. Then when Mercury moves back, it's going to cross over Saturn again. It's going to make another sextile with Saturn. And then when it moves forward, it's going to hit it a third time. So Saturn is the planetary ruler of Capricorn. It's the god of wealth and time, the planet of restriction, responsibility, hard work, achievement, authority. So Mercury is transiting through Capricorn, aligning with Saturn in Pisces, the planet that rules Capricorn. Hmm. Pisces, as we talked about earlier with Neptune, is the sign of the unconscious. Saturn is the planet of reality. When you look at the symbol for Saturn, it's a cross of matter with a crescent of receptivity pointed down. And it looks like it's bent Mm -hmm. because it's pressing into the ground. Like Mm -hmm. the crescent is hitting the ground, meaning I've stepped on the land. I've climbed the mountain. I've felt the earth. I have the experience. I've touched the experience. Yes. Yes. But it's transiting through Pisces, which is the sign of the unconscious. So it's bringing that sense of reality to your unconscious. The guilt, the shame, the regret, the blame. Everything that's happening within your psychological baggage is coming up and it feels real. And this is something that we've been experiencing collectively since March of 2023 when Saturn first moved into Pisces. Mercury forming the sextile with Saturn in Pisces is connecting that reality to our conscious mind through the experience. So I also think of this as like manifesting your dreams. Mm. You know, what are you doing to integrate your unconscious with your conscious for the purpose of manifesting your dreams into reality? How can you hold yourself accountable to be compassionate with yourself and empathetic to others in the way you communicate your thoughts. What can you do to control your thoughts through self-empowerment? So this is what this transit is about. It's about holding yourself accountable to be compassionate with yourself and empathetic to others and in the way that you communicate your thoughts. It's about uh, what you can do to control your thoughts through self-empowerment to recognize that even when you're in a place of authority you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna say the wrong thing but are you trying to do the right thing and i'm hearing too this kind of a twofold experience when you're describing this energy of saturn in pisces yes there is this psychological baggage piece that has the potential to become real to Mm -hmm. to feel really real the shame regret the blame but there's also like you touched on with the manifesting 
the potential for manifesting right now is that the the parts of ourselves of our psyche of our awareness that we've repressed into our unconscious that are the beautiful parts the light itself i mean many many people are repressing their light because mm-hmm. they might not have a place for it yes there's also an opportunity for saturn to be making those aspects of you real as well mm-hmm. so that just feels important to maybe just speak that out in a in a larger sense mm-hmm. that at any given time we're repressing light and shadow parts of ourselves so this is about getting in touch with both this is about getting in touch with both. I think sometimes we lean on because Saturn in Pisces feels like there's something about those two relating to one another that feels uncomfortable. Hmm. We might feel that or counterintuitive, mm-hmm. you know, making the dream real is sort of a, there's like a paradox yeah, in that totally, statement. Totally. One, I think we talked about last week or the or the week before how it's it's an interesting place for saturn to be in pisces because it's one of the signs that's ruled by jupiter and jupiter's expansion right but saturn is contraction right it's an opportunity to slow down Mm -hmm. to take a pause Mm -hmm. yes so what are the parts of yourself you're repressing the dream qualities or the nightmare qualities Mm -hmm. i guess you could say that are ready to see the light of day yes exactly yeah and just thinking about again how this transit is the first of three and so it's the the first pass by the time we get to the middle of actually it'll probably be by the time we get to like the first week of january this will have happened three times already Mm. so this month of december into early january is a leveling up period for us to face the shadow side but then also integrate the light with the shadow like you're saying Mm -hmm. to become a greater authority of what's going on inside of you absolutely Yeah, to experience, I mean, we call it, at least in Jungian terms, we call it wholeness, Mm. which I don't think that word belongs to us. You know, I'm sure many different psychological perspectives use that term. Mm -hmm. But in the Jungian sense, wholeness is about that integration Mm. of the unconscious into the conscious. So it's Mm. expanding what it is you're aware of creates a greater sense of wholeness Mm. yes yes a greater sense of wholeness that's what we're building to okay Mm -hmm. wonderful and i think if you're in that place of wholeness then you are using responsible communication you are i imagine that you are Yes. Or you're doing your best to. Yeah, exactly. Which is all we can ask of yeah, ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on to questions? Let's move on to questions. All right. So first question. Jenny asks, my north node is in Scorpio in the eighth house, which is in Libra. Mm-hmm. Does this mean my life's purpose is to be in relationships? Yes. 
Yes. You're meant to... I mean, the, the eighth house in Libra is more of, you know, when you're in that bonded energy, you, you want balance, you want fairness, you want harmony. That's what you're looking for when you're in that intimate sort of karmic connection with somebody that you're truly like integrated with. You want there to be balance and fairness and harmony and peace in that bond. But the north node in the eighth house in Scorpio is about learning to be intimate, learning to be mm -hmm. vulnerable with other people, to share your secrets, share your body, share your money, and you're learning to develop a discernment around who is worthy of exchanging energy with you. And you'll know if you feel lifted by them as opposed to drained. And so this period for you, I imagine, is very appropriate, like with everything that we we're talking about with the full moon in Gemini. So whoever in Scorpio season, well, exactly all of that. Yeah, we're coming <clears throat> transformative off of, energy. We're coming off of Scorpio <clears throat> season in Sagittarius season now, but the full moon in Gemini is creating that energy for the people that were born with the North Node in Scorpio to make sure mm. that you're asking all the right questions that you need to ask from the people that you're bonded to to make sure that, or the people that you're thinking about bonding with to make sure that the energetic exchange is going to leave both of you feeling lifted. Mm -hmm. I think too, the North Node in Scorpio is there's really a process of exploring trust mm -hmm. when you're when you're merging like that you know you can't always see like <laughs> if you're on the shoreline you don't know what's in the ocean mm -hmm. until you get out there mm -hmm. so i'm just thinking about how for you jenny there's a relationship that you're building with yourself around trust mm -hmm. trusting your instincts on who it is you want to merge with. Mm -hmm. And there might be this relationship of like allowing yourself to change your mind mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. which I think is part of that Libra energy. I always think of, you know, Libra energy gets a, has a reputation of being indecisive and that can certainly be true. But I think the, the light side of that Libra energy is like giving yourself permission to change your mind and in this case, when you're learning how to merge more deeply and intimately with others, mm -hmm. you might, you might get in those relationships or like you might get in the water and realize you can't change your mind. now. Th this is not safe. <laughs> well, my, my point is you can always adjust. You can always modify. Yes. So what you want to be doing is I would say following sort of this your spidey sense psychic around awareness you're supposed to be developing your psychic awareness yes following your spidey sense around is this a safe situation for me mm -hmm. i gave this a try i put my trust in this situation but really being mindful and checking in with yourself about does this feel safe mm -hmm. and your safety like that check-in about safety might not always be physical safety mm -hmm. it might be emotional spiritual psychic safety yes 
So learning how to even just listen to those cues within yourself. Mm -hmm. When you're coming from South Node in Taurus, you're really oriented towards the five senses. Mm -hmm. And so you might look around and think, well, I have all my basic needs taken care of. I'm mm -hmm. not starving, mm -hmm. right? This person hasn't stolen from me. Mm -hmm. But you might not, you know, that might not be really giving you the information that you need around these choices for who to merge with. So the insights come, the insight and the answers are coming from a different place. Yeah, it's coming from your energy. It the is. The energy that you feel, the vibe that you feel within yourself from the frequency that you're experiencing with the other person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. Okay. I yeah. hope that answers your question. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> All right. Our next question, Kara asks, I'm a Capricorn rising with six planets in my first house, the Sun, Mercury, Mars, Uranus, and Neptune. My Jupiter is in Sagittarius in the 12th house, and my moon in Taurus is in the fifth house. Is there a transit responsible for my two-year spiritual awakening and evolution? So first it began with Pluto transiting conjunct your Neptune. So Neptune is, is one of the planets of spirituality. Pluto conjunct your Neptune in Capricorn back in 2021, two years ago. Now Neptune is at 24 degrees in Pisces, which is also aligning with your Neptune. So... My guess is it's it's those two transits that that occurred and are occurring that have contributed to your spiritual awakening. Are you experiencing a spiritual transformation of your identity, your personality, uh, your self-expression, the way that you communicate, and maybe expressing yourself as an authority in terms of your beliefs and your faith? Hmm. And what would that indicate? If she is, I would say because she says she's a Capricorn rising. And so uh, if Jupiter's in Sagittarius in the 12th house, then I'm, I'm guessing that Neptune is in the first house in Capricorn. She is somebody who spirituality is a part of her personality hmm. and Pluto transiting through the first house conjunct Neptune in 2021 and then that means that the transiting Neptune is probably in her third house, the house of communication in Pisces, forming the sextile with Neptune right now. Hmm. First house is personality, self-expression. Third house is communication. So the spiritual awakening is probably something around her being able to articulate her faith and, hmm. and express her faith in a way that's authentic to her from a place of self-love. Wow. So there's actually that third house transit with Neptune would indicate that, that her mind is part of what's being transformed. Yes. It's a reimagination of her conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. Wherever Neptune is transiting, I think of it as like reimagining something. Mm -hmm. So if Neptune's transiting your third house, you're reimagining the way that you think. Reimagining mm. your conscious awareness. If it's transiting the fourth house, you're reimagining your home mm. and your childhood and your roots and your ancestry. 
mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Just go through the houses, the theme of the house, and then the, and then Neptune reimagining. Right. You know, fifth house, children, fun, games, play, dating, love life, creativity. When Neptune transits through there, you're reimagining what that means to you, reimagining the energy of your heart and what brings you joy, mm. what is fun. It's almost like I'm thinking of this image of a kaleidoscope hmm. where this this experience of reimagining it it might have a color to it it might have a like it has a flavor mm-hmm. of some sort and then everything else that's coming through the mind for example everything's coming through the mind mm-hmm. when it's this third house energy so everything is sort of being filtered through this you know the blue lens or the red lens or Mm -hmm. whatever it is you know energetically that is that energy that's reimagining you're looking at everything that way Mm -hmm. versus the home is just sort of one aspect of your life right but when it's the mind it's another aspect but it's but everything is coming through the mind so i'm just wondering well but yeah does it have a larger impact in the third house I'm feeling a deeper resonance for Kara, I think, because everything is filtered through the mind. The perspective of your mind influences how you see your home, how you see your relationships, how you experience what you even think is fun, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, One more question. Shell X Beach asks... Pluto is transiting conjunct my descendant in Capricorn. There's a lot of fear talk about people seeking to manipulate and destroy me. How may I take a less fear-based yet informed lens at this time? I really wish I knew Shell X Beach. I really wish I knew your your North Node. What mm. sign is it in? What's, what house is it in? Because I can give you some like generic sort of perspective, but... I'm not really sure if it's appropriate, you know, like and and when we're talking about like speaking from a place of authority Mm. in order to speak from a place of authority, I need to know what else is going on in your chart. I mean, just generally speaking, when Pluto's transiting your descendant, you know, what comes up for me is like Pluto transited Bill Gates descendant a year or two ago and he got a divorce and Pluto was transiting Meghan Markle's descendant. And when you write that there's a lot of fear talk about people seeking to manipulate and destroy me, that sounds like Meghan Markle and her marriage to Prince Harry. It's like people are out to get them or her specifically, you know? So, um, so that is definitely a part of Pluto crossing over your ascend your your descendant because the descendant is that seventh house the house of marriage the best way to work through that that frequency is to be open to transformation be mm-hmm. open to the change that is occurring the more that you're trying to cling to the way that things have always been in your relationships whether it's your marriage a lover, a friend, a business partner, the more that you're trying to cling to the way that things have always been, it's like trying not to give birth to the baby that eventually has to come out. Like the transformation is inevitable. Hmm. And so the more that you're, 
the more that you have the courage to accept and face the transformation, the more that you'll be able to get out in front of those that are trying to manipulate and destroy you. Mm. And I think just in general about fear, what I'm thinking about is our relationship to death and to endings in our culture Mm. and how we know Pluto represents birth, death, transformation. Mm -hmm. And just to remind us that the same energy that is associated with death is the energy that's associated with birth Mm -hmm. as well. So we get stuck into this pattern of fearing the unknown. But, but what's in the unknown is actually everything, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But we have so many industries that are feeding off of our fear. Mm-hmm. Like I think about the insurance industry mm-hmm. is based entirely off of the fear of something that, that something bad might happen. Mm-hmm. But we don't have any industries that are built off of the, of the possibility that something great might happen. Mm. So we're conditioned to be fearful of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And there's a term called annihilation anxiety, which is the fear of not existing anymore, mm-hmm. which is, it's kind of even bigger than the fear of death. It's, mm-hmm. it's like completely dissolving you that you never existed nobody you. and nobody remembers you. you. No impact at all on anyone. So I think part, <laughs> it's pretty dark. Yeah, totally. So I think part of, which My, I don't care who you are, that's <clears> not true. Exactly. You have an impact on every person that you come into contact with, whether or not you know it, they know it, or anyone else knows it. You do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I wonder for you, Shell X Beach, if this is an invitation into maybe changing your relationship with the unknown, or even before that, there might be a process you're going through of determining which fear belongs to you versus which fear is maybe more collective or universal because there is so much fear messaging out there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of fear talk. Move away from the fear talk. If, if that's what you're hearing, maybe that going back to the beginning, you know, the questions, mm. release the questions that are, that are surrounding fear. Yeah. Maybe the question is, where is this fear coming from? I think that's one of the hardest parts of human life is being afraid and doing it anyway. Yes, but that's courage. It is. That's but what the, courage is. But the, but fear <laughs> can bring up that freeze response. Yes. And we can feel like there can be this misconception that, oh, I'm too afraid to do something. It's not time yet. But there might always be fear. I mean, fear is... Yeah, is it's, always it's, is it, always present, but it, but if you wait, you know you'll never get anywhere if you don't exactly move through it. Here's a part of life. Well, and oftentimes the death portion of this Pluto energy happens first, and then there's a vo- there's some sort of a void, and then the birth part happens. So I think part of what we're fearful of is the void itself is the discomfort of not having it, not having that birth piece that's come in yet. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're in the process of ending a relationship and there's going to be a void after it before you have a new relationship. So my point is that this death birth 
is not, they don't necessarily happen in tandem or immediately with one another. Right. There's this facing of the void. Of the in-between time. Of the in-between. Hmm. Yeah. So we're thinking of you, Shell X Beach, and hoping that you have found some answers here, some support during this transformational time. Yeah, let us know if you're up for it. Let us know how you're doing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to The Weekly Transit. If you're curious to learn how these transits or any others may be affecting you, or if you're interested in learning more about your astrological code, contact me for a reading at theweeklytransit.com. If you're interested in delving into the world of psychotherapy with Gabriella, you can connect with her at innervisionpsychotherapy.com. Wishing you all the best as you ride the planetary waves.